Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk cheese. Recorded live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special 2016 Olympic Marathon Trials edition of Let's Run.com Track Talk. I'm Weldon Johnson, reporting live from Los Angeles, joined across the hallway via the beauty of a five-foot telephone call, Robert Johnson. And we've got Jonathan Golf in Boston and, and Steve Soprano in Virginia. Welcome, everyone. What's up, Weldon? It's hard to believe we're less than, what, 48 hours, uh, 36 hours from the 2016 Olympic Marathon Trials. Day one of the press events has concluded here. We have some interesting audio from uh, Desi Linden, Luke Skedra, and then they were the sort of two headliners of the press event. And then there was a ton of other people, Matt Yano, uh, Elkana Tibet, Nick Narcienega, Fernando Cabada, um, Kellen Taylor, Annie Bursagale, uh I can't think of them all right now. Bobby Curtis. Bobby Curtis, yes, good audio from Bobby Curtis. Um, I'm not sure where to begin. Robert, sort of, you know, having landed in L.A., met the athletes, there's a certain vibrancy and buzz at the Olympic trials. What was your main impression from today? Indeed. I mean, I think there's electricity in the air. I mean, you're right here. Media headquarters is, I mean, we're across the street from the Staples Center. Um, so, you know, it's kind of fun to be right in, in, in the thick of L.A. But, um, I mean, I, we hadn't been here 30 seconds, and I started hearing ridiculous rumors. I mean, there's always something going on in a big event like this. And, um, you know, the rumors <laughs> that I heard was that Galen Rupp wasn't going to be running the trials. Um, it looks like that that is just a rumor. I mean, the person that told me that is another media member, and he said that, Several people at Nike had told him that Rupp was running, but one insisted that he was not going to be running. Um, and I said, well, why would he pull out at this late date? I mean, he'll get crucified for pulling out, you know, just 36 hours before the race starts. Um, but uh, I just got a text from another media member who's seen Darren Treasure, the Oregon Project uh, sports psychologist here. So, um, you know, I, I just think that that's part of the, the fun and electricity. I mean, people are hearing stuff, saying stuff. Um, you know, we heard two or three good, good rumors, a couple of them that we can't repeat um on air you know we hadn't even been here five minutes yeah i know one thing for certain the Olympic marathon trials will be more interesting with galen rupp so it's a good sign i think that darren treasure is here and hopefully that means rupp is a go but you know galen rupp or no galen rupp um we're gonna have three three olympians determined on saturday and there's so much drama in that um but if you can get sort of one of you know, America's, you know, top distance star here in the mix as well. Um, it, it, it's even better. 
but you know, I guess maybe Matt Kowalski would argue that you know he's more credentialed than than Galen in his career. But you know, in terms of track credentials and um, ultimate peak ability, there's no one higher than Galen right now. Uh, I guess John and Steve, I don't know, one of you guys want to take this, sort of sitting at home as we sort of collect our thoughts and try, try to figure out what direction to go here. Uh, you know, what what are what sort of questions or, I don't know, um, you know, when you're, when you're not, not out here, kind of what are you thinking about in the trials? Because we get so sort of overwhelmed traveling and coming out here, that sort of thing. I mean, I'm just, I think, excited uh is the best one to put it you know this this race only comes around once every four years and uh the last time it came around i was still in college i hadn't you know embarked on my journalistic career yet so the first this is the first chance i'm getting to look at it from that point of view uh and it's exciting you know it's these people pour several years of training into it and uh it all comes down to two two and a half hours on the streets of los angeles um and the outcome of that race is going to have a huge impact on everyone, pretty much, every, you know, everyone who runs it. It's going to be a big uh, moment in their lives. So it's just exciting to have that happen. And uh, really, you know, it's sort of like how I felt before the Super Bowl um, last week. I'm just excited and waiting for it to happen, except this one only comes around every four years. Indeed. And, you know, John talked about two and a half hours. I, I would say actually the, the, the biggest impression I had is how hot it is. I mean, it's going to be hot. And, you know, I, I think I was talking to um, Keith Hansen, one of the brothers that runs the Hansen Brooks Original Distance Project. And, you know, I bumped into him. He was one of the first guys I saw in the media room. And, you know, I said, what about this weather? And he said, I think 213 on the men's side makes the team. So, you know, that may seem slow, but he thinks it's going to be 80 degrees in the middle of the race. And I think it's, the race starts at 10 o'clock, so it's not an early morning start. They want to have it on national TV. They're not going to move that up because NBC and everything is in place. So, um you know, if, if you're not a hot weather runner, you better, you better <laughs> you're probably not going to be going to Rio. That's for sure. So um, that'll play a factor in it for sure. Yeah, the, everyone I talked to, it's sort of I was thinking, oh, maybe some athletes weren't prepared for the heat. But everyone I talked to had done something specifically to uh, prepare for the heat out here, whether it was, you know, it, it sort of ran, ran a gamut. Uh, Luke Puskedra that actually, you know, he's unique. He only runs one run a day. He bikes for a second workout of the day. And he was biking. He's been biking in his house. He had to heat at 75 degrees. And sort of once you you, you talk to Luke, we're going to have some audio from him hopefully later in the show. But he's kind of a um, obsessive compulsive isn't the right word. But sort of, you know, that sort of, you know, leaves no stone unturned. Do a little more than maybe you should that a lot of runners have that makes them great but can also be the greatest downfall. He's got a little bit of that in his personality. So he's like, well, I thought it was going to be 75 in L.A. If I jacked up the heat in my house to 80, and he would just bike in full sweats, he said, you know, long sleeves at 80 degrees in his house as he was babysitting his kid. Um, so Luke kind of laughed. He said, well, it's going to be 80 out here, so I'm glad I had the house up an extra five degrees, even though his wife, uh, you know, didn't like that. I'm sure it's pretty unpleasant being in the 80-degree house in Oregon in the winter. Yeah, and I talked to um, Kellen Taylor of the uh, Hoka 1-1 Northern Arizona Elite Team, and they've um, made the trip down. They've been in San Diego for two weeks, came down from Flagstaff. Um, she said that they were told that it takes two weeks to accommodate to the heat, and she said they've been running in full sweats, 
and you know down in San Diego. So she, you know she was feeling confident about that. Um, it's definitely going to be a, be a scorcher out there. Yeah, I found it interesting. You know, Matt Yano's in that group as well, and you know they said even though they were in San Diego, they go for runs in full sweats. Um, you know, the Hampton Brooks team was in Florida getting ready. P- people, that's the beauty of the Olympic trials. Like everybody wants to be an Olympian, you get a sh- shot every four years. So we, see, it's a great measuring stick of where America is as a marathoning country because you know you might have a 211 here or 225 there, 227 there, but it's usually not one place. But if you want to be an Olympian, you got to do it here. So we sort of see where America's at and, and what we've got. Um, so I, 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 I'm excited. And being here also, you walk in, and as Robert said, we're right next to the Staples Center. Um, is it the Emmys or the Grammys, Robert, that's on this weekend? But yeah, the Grammys have, are going on. You know, the Grammys, they have the red tent set up, so it's right there. Then you go literally like a quarter mile away. It's the uh, Marriott's the Athlete Hotel. There's all these you know, skinny people drinking coffee in the lobby, and all the athletes stay here, including the, you know, the qualifiers, they want to pay their own way, including the $30 entry fee that it's ridiculous. USATF makes them pay. But there's just a certain buzz about the Olympic trials that you don't get elsewhere. I mean, it's the Olympics. It's every four years. Yep, and, and don't get me started about that $30 fee. We, we didn't get here in time for the Max Siegel, head of the USATF press conference, unfortunately. And that was definitely one of the questions I, I was going to ask them. I mean, you know, Max and USATF have been bragging about how revenues have doubled, but really most of that seems to be because the Nike contract has doubled. Um, and if things are going so well, why, and, and they want to treat this as a professional sport, what, why are we charging the B qualifiers $30 each? I mean, it's going to raise, what, $10,000? That's absurd. And, you know, there's people from USATF staying in the Ritz-Carlton probably blowing $10,000 this weekend. So that, to me, is ridiculous. But, you know, I, I don't really want to focus on that. It, it, you know, the Bass USATF thing is something that I've tried not to do over the last couple of years because it's just so easy to do. Um, let's try to stay focused on the race. And I think, you know, the majority of our audience is male, so should we start with the men's race and, and talk about, you know, what we find most interesting there? Sure. Um, sure. And if you're just joining in, you can post your questions in the chat box. You can actually dial in and be a guest at 724-444-7444, enter call ID 72655-POUND, um, or you can post your questions on the Let's Run.com forum. Um, and you're listening to a live special edition Olympic Marathon Trials Prediction Show. But, um, you know, we've this week we've got four um, previews we're going to have four up on the site, one on the men underdogs, one on the men favorites, Rupperitz and uh, Kiflesge, one on the women underdogs, and one on the, on the women's big four of uh, Flanagan, Linden, Craig, and who's the fourth? Oh, Goucher. Sorry about that. Um, so, you know, hopefully you guys read those, and we'll try to sort of add to that. Um, you know, and those are really based on what people have done on paper. Today we got a sense of at least, you know, maybe the 10 to 12 athletes that we talked to, how things have gone, particularly in the last month, some of these people. Um, and while you spoke to Luke, I mean, what was your big takeaway from, from talking to Piscedra? Um, You know, he, he my big takeaway is that he, he's ready. Um, well, I didn't talk to anyone. I think if you show up at the press conference, you're ready. 
I was talking to Jill Greer, the USATF communications um, director. I said, Jill, you know, who, how do we determine who's here? Why isn't Galen Rupp here? And she said, it's pretty much an open invitation. And, um, you know, the top athletes, if they want to show up, they show up. But if you think about that a little bit, if you're probably not fit or not ready to go, you're not going to want to show up. Um, so most of the people indicated they were in very good shape or maybe the uh, top shape of their life. Um, but the, the, the great story with, with Luke is pretty much, a, what, a year ago at this time, he was maybe out the door quitting the sport, which would have been just a tremendous travesty. This is a guy who ran 101 for the half marathon while in college, and he joined the Nike Oregon Project, Alberto Salazar's group, the you know, the top group in America out of college, and he kind of he had some success, but floundered, and it didn't really hit it out of the park. And he was going to ran the New York City Marathon in the fall of, I guess that was 2014, didn't do well, and I guess his Nike contract was up. And you know, his, he said, Luke said he sort of felt an obligation. Um, I think his wife was just pregnant at the at the time then, and he wasn't making any money. She's a tennis professional. Uh, instructor in Eugene, and he just said, like, like, what am I doing with his life? But he decided to give Ronnie one more time, one more try. Returned. He was in Oregon, and Coach Andy Powell got him back out there again. And uh, it, Luke just sounds like he's found a little more balance. He's, as I said, he's very obsessive and wants to do a little too much at times. And I think sort of uh, having to think about life without running, and then also having his wife pregnant now with a. Um, he's got a, I think a seven month old daughter sort of given him perspective and it, it's helped him stay grounded and, and get ready for this. Um, when I asked him about, about the training, he said, you know, what's the difference between training under Alberto versus training under coach Andy Powell. And he said, a lot of the workouts aren't that different, but now he can just do them. He said with Alberto, sometimes you know, 252 for a thousand meters was hard for him. And now he can do 245. Um, so I don't know if that was just because he let it come to him or what, but it, he, he indicated that from a fitness perspective, uh, everything is going yeah, yeah. very well. And, you know, and, and that's one of those questions of, you know, to trying to force it maybe with Alberto, is that what's paying off now? Or it could also be, it sound like he may be doing a little bit less. I mean, Luke said that after Chicago, he took a, a week or two off, and during that time frame, he basically planned everything out, every workout that he wanted to do, and then he ran it by Andy Powell, who's now his coach, and Andy basically took a look at what Luke wanted to do and, and sort of, you know, Luke said Andy basically dollars it down to about to 80% of that. So, you know, don't overdo it. Make sure you're, what you're doing, you know, you can do and handle, you know, and, and go from there. Um you know, one of the uh, questions, one of the guys that I really spoke to is Bobby Curtis. And, you know, I, I sort of started, you know, by asking him, I'm like, Bobby, you've run 27, 24, you know, sort of does it, but you don't get sort of the press that someone that fast in the track does, you know, D does that bother you? He kind of smiled, um, but said, you know, it, it didn't really. But um, I, uh, you know, when, um, talking to him about his, uh, you know, his buildup. Um, well, do we have that audio? Is it possible to get that on there? Yeah, hold on one second. Keep, keep speaking. So I asked basically, well, Weldon gets that ready. Um, you know, I asked Bobby, well, the part before we get to the audio, I said, you know, Bobby, how's this buildup been going? You're a 211 guy. How, how, how did this buildup go? 
And he said that actually during the fall, he was injured for most of the fall. And, you know, he thought, you know, five weeks ago that that would be bothering, that that would probably hinder him here. But he said, in reality, he actually thinks he's nailed it perfectly. He says he feels not tired, not overdone. You know, he got healthy at the right time and he just feels 100%. So he said that he feels 100% and things have gone basically as good as they possibly could have gone. Um, even though earlier in the fall, um, when he missed a lot of time, he was worried about it, but he got healthy just in time and got the full build up. Um, and then I asked him, you know, and I think this is the clip that Walden's going to play. I said, Bobby, you know, and this is what we hinted at in our preview. I said, Bobby, a lot of guys, do you feel like you're really a marathoner now? You know, you've got a couple under your belt. Are you adapted and sort of really good at this business now, or are you still a 10,000 guy who wants to be good at the marathon? And here's that clip. Yeah, I think for a while I was a 10,000 guy pretending to be a marathoner, but this second I, I actually did train properly like a marathoner. Like I did 140 miles for one week, and um, like it used to be in the past I would do long workouts, my quads would be killing me, my feet would be killing me, but now I've been grinding at the longer stuff long enough that, that I think um, that I'm at this stage of my career a better marathoner than I am a track guy. And if. Bobby's a better marathoner than he is a track runner. People better watch out because, you know, as you pointed out, he's top 10 all time in the U S at 10,000 meters. I think people sort of forget that. Um, and you know, for America to be successful in the world stage, we need guys under 208 and to run under 208. You got to have a certain capability on, on the track for sure. And he certainly has it. I mean, you know, Matt Teagan camp was a great professional, but he never won an NCAA title. Bobby Curtis did win the 5,000 while in college, um, you know, 13-18 for 5K, 27-24, and, and now, you know, 2-11-20. Um, you know, you think based on those track credentials, he certainly would have a, a sub-210 in, in him eventually. Um, so he's definitely a guy that, you know, to look out for. I also got a photo. Bobby's got a full beard, you know, really you know, kind of looks like um, John, what's the uh, – my baseball, since we're not in baseball season, former Texas Ranger guy that played first base for the Red Sox. Oh, Mike Napoli? Yeah, Mike Napoli. He's got a, he's got a huge beard like that. And I said, Bobby, it's going to be 85 degrees out there. Are, 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 is that thing, that thing probably has to go. And he goes, oh, don't worry. It's definitely going. So we took it before and uh, before photo, and we're going to put a, an after photo after he shaves it off. He's got a little gray in that beard at 31. So uh, he was kind of proud of that. He said, be sure to get the gray in there. But you know, 31 is, is uh, you know, don't tell Matt Kapleski that's old. You know, Matt at, at trying to make the team at almost 41 is one of the most inspirational stories, I think, out there. Um, well, then, you know, when we talked to him yesterday, sounds like, you know, he's pretty happy with, with the way things are going, and, and he's been healthy. And in the past, that's been good enough for Matt. If he's healthy, he, you know, pretty much he'd certainly be top three in the U.S. So the question is, can he, will that still be the case at, at his age? Yeah, I think, you know, the question with Meb is, you know, when does Father Time catch up with him? Um, and I, I I don't, I don't, we haven't seen anything to indicate that it has, but, you know, it might come fully and, you know, can a Meb at 90% make the team? Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've discounted Meb a lot of times in his career. Um Never, you know, not saying that he wasn't a good runner, but thought, oh, he won't do that, that well. I never thought he'd win in New York, never win in Boston. He did both. Um, Olympic medal, same thing. And But now that, he, that he's, you know, 40 and I'm 42, <laughs> this time I'm, I'm, I'm 
hoping they don't reverse jinx him because um, I kind of I would like to see him uh, do well and and make that team. Weldon, what I think you said was interesting about can he make the team at ninety percent? I mean, I think the truth is pretty much all of his recent marathons, he's been probably around that number. I would say somewhere between eighty hundred percent because I was I was talking to his agent slash brother Howie Kafleski. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and he was basically saying that, you know, when he came into New York in 2014, you know, Meb, I think he wound up fourth in that race, something like that, but had a long summer, and that was after the summary after, after he won Boston, you know, a lot of press commitments and stuff like that. His build-up was not ideal and got a, sort of a late jump on it, but he still produced, you know, a hell of a performance. And then last year, the guy had to stop and throw up five different times over the final, like, five miles or something, and still you know, wound up with a relatively solid finish. I think he was eighth in Boston. So, you know, I think the thing with Meb is, like, if he just gets there in one piece to the start line, he's he's going to produce uh, a pretty good performance. And that, that's why, even though he turns 41 years old um, this year, uh, that's why I still think he's probably going to make this team. Yeah, I mean, that's really the big question is, you know, do the big three take down the three spots and – you know, I wrote an article that we put up on Let's Run today that, you know, where I tried to come up with reasons why they wouldn't make the team. And after doing that, I kind of honestly, to be convinced myself, thought, you know, I, I still would be shocked if Kalen Rupp didn't make it. I know it's his debut, but even Matt, basically, when we talked to him yesterday, sort of acted like Rupp had one of the spots. So, um, but, you know, at the end of the article, I was like, you know, if you told me that Ritz, you know, he's moved away, he's no longer at altitude, he doesn't make it. Meb's 40, almost 41, he doesn't make it. That wouldn't shock me. Um, you know, but the big thing with Ritz is he sounds like he's really loving the process. The, he may not be in the pro- Oregon project, he may not be at altitude, but he's found a fire to prove that he can do it by himself. So the fact that he's motivated, you know, makes it hard to discount either one of those guys, to be honest. But Craig Virgin was at the uh, media thing today. He's working, um, I guess, for a blog, he said. I asked if he was doing TV. He said, no, he's writing for a blog. And by the way, thanks for um, all the coverage you guys do at Let's Run. And he's like, I couldn't find any bios on anybody. He's like, I've been reading your pre- your previews. He's sort of critical of the of why uh, you know some of these USATF and stuff didn't have bios out like a couple weeks ago, so he could get ready for everything. Um, but you know, Craig said to me, he's like, this is how I think is going to happen. He's like, I think Meb or Ritz, one of them is not going to make the team. He's like, the problem is I just can't decide which one. So. Um, you know, if one of them falters or two, that that leaves a spot open. You know, and, and obviously um, Curtis is a is a prime candidate to take to take it as is Alcana Cabat and Weldon. When you went over to talk to him, I said be sure to ask him. You know, he's he's ran what two eleven two two eleven or was it two twelve in Chicago this year? I said be sure to ask him now. That he's training with Sam Chalanga, like how that's going. He's changed coaches and actually like you know Chalanga is making his debut. So who does better in practice? Who's the better marathoner? And what what did he say when you asked him about that stuff? Um, he essentially said that they work together and they don't, you know, they help each other out and no one's in better shape than the other one. Um, you know, I wonder secretly one of them has to be and sort of knows it, but you know, a good training partnership, maybe if you don't go to the well all the time, you may not exactly know. Uh, it is sort of interesting how guys even who train with each other can work well together, but you know, a lot of the Oklahoma one guys are involved with other people and, Flagstaff and know how they're doing or, or um, 
you know, I heard Brett Gotcher's name mentioned a couple of times, Nick Arcega's, uh friends with him and kind of here's how the training's going. So people definitely start talking. And the, the one thing that people, what we only agreed upon is like when someone's hurt, you know, you find out, the athletes find out. So, um, you know, Ryan Vale not running, they kind of, people thought that maybe was in the pipeline, you know, athletes sort of go quiet in social media when they get hurt, that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of Elkana and Sam Chalinga, sounded like they both have been training very well. Uh, you know, Elkana for the first time in his life is able to train while being in the army, but not having to put in full-time army hours. And the army let him go down and, and, and train with Coach Lee and Sam in Tucson. So it, it sounded like it went very well. Uh, Elkana, he, he, he's excited with the opportunity to make a U.S. Olympic team. He said in 2012, he, you know, he dreamed of making the Olympics, and that obviously didn't happen. And, uh, you know, he, he's been in the Army, and he, he asked, like, well, why, why did you keep running? And we had, we had an excellent profile that John did on him, um, you know, last year. And he said, um, which I highly recommend you guys Google that. I'm not trying to find it. But uh, he said, you know, I, I, I just – I thought about not running, but, you know, it's, it's part of who I am. I love running. And he kept running, you know, while in the military, while in Kuwait, you know, he had some time in Iraq, but he said it was pretty safe. And, you know, come Saturday, he could be a name a lot of people have heard about, uh, you know, until Chicago in October, almost no one even knew he was an American citizen. So fortunes can change uh, quickly in America. And I think that's sort of the uh, American dream. But, uh, also, Robert, you talked about, you know, talking to Craig Mosbach and, and how Ritz or Meb might falter. Um, Craig, I, I talked I, to Craig, Craig Virgin. Oh, Craig Virgin. Interesting, because I was about to say, well, I talked to Craig Virgin, and, you know, he, his take, you know, was in general that at the trials, one of the favorites, one of the big guys you think doesn't make it. So there's always one spot sort of open in the air, and usually two are sort of filled by a, a big-name guy. Um but, you know, the question is, who is that guy? And also the, the the other big question is, you know, how does Galen Rupp do? Steve, you got any thoughts on Rupp's marathon debut? Uh, I think Steve is just on mute. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I, yeah, I had the phone muted. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited for it, obviously. Uh, and the big question, it, it's just going to be, you know, is he a marathoner? Uh, we see... We see it pretty often, guys who are really good at 10K, really good at the half marathon. They can't put it together in the marathon. Uh, but then, you know, you see guys that are the opposite there, even better at the marathon. And, you know, we really don't know until he runs it. Um, you know, he obviously trains, does a lot of the same training as Mo Farah, uh, both coached by Salazar. And, you know, people criticize Farah's debut a lot, like, you know, kind of, you know, thought it wasn't too impressive or anything, but it was 208. It's really not too bad uh, of a debut. You know, I, I would say it was underwhelming, but it was certainly not bad. And if Rupp kind of produces at that level, you know, he doesn't need to run 208, you know, runs 209, he's going to make the team. So uh, I'm excited for it. It definitely adds a really interesting element. Yeah, I, I, I really, again, this is Robert speaking, I'm, I'm not worried about him not being a marathoner. I, mean, I guess it's possible, and I point out, you know, yeah, the, half of the guys, Rupp is 15th in the world in 10,000 all time. Of the 14 guys faster than half of them have never broken 2.8 in the marathon. But that doesn't really concern me because I feel like he, Rupp doesn't need this race. Why would he be running the marathon unless 
Salazar, who, you know, former New York City marathon champion, was very confident that he would do it. I know you don't know for sure, but I assume that they're confident based on the workouts that he can do it. Now, the one thing, you know, even if he bombed, we wouldn't necessarily know that he's not good at the marathon because it's going to be so hot. I, I, for some people running in hot weather, running in regular weather, it's like a different sport. Now, Ruff has shown in the past that he can do well in the heat and hit 27 um, what are you on? 2707 at Worlds this year, so whatever. It was ridiculous. And the heat of of, um, of uh, Beijing was very impressive, but that's not necessarily the same thing as running a marathon in that heat. And, you know, the conditions are slightly different. Like when I was talking to Bobby Curtis, I said, Bobby, how are you in the, in the heat? And he goes, Well, I've been up and down. He's like, What I've determined, or at least he's like, What I hope is true is I think I'm good when it's hot and dry, which is LA, and I'm bad when it's hot and humid. So, you know, it'll be a drier heat, hopefully, for some of these guys. Um, but, you know, this, you know, one of the things with the Rupp is, you know, he ran that 61-minute half marathon in the buildup. So, clearly, he's fit. The fact that he only ran 8.57 in that 3,000, to me, was a good sign. I normally, I mean, 7.57. Normally, Rupp would go out and run 7.45 without even trying, really. Uh, it, to me, it showed that, like, he, we know he's fit, but he obviously he's been working on the longer stuff. Otherwise, he would have run faster in that 3,000. So... You know, I don't know. All of a sudden, I've got a little worried about the heat with him, but, you know, yeah, Steve, it is going to be exciting. And, you know, I, I think it's weird. We're all assuming he's going to do it. I was reading actually on the plane today an article by Andy Burfoot in Runner's World. He's like, it's hard to fathom Rupp not doing well. Hard to imagine Rupp, Rupp not producing. I'm like, well, it's not hard to imagine. I mean, I, I'm someone who's sort of jumped on the Rupp bandwagon here, and I've never been a huge Gale Rupp fan throughout the years, but. It's not hard to imagine him dropping out. I, I can see that in the heat. You get to mile twenty, you don't feel good, and you're gone. I mean, oh sure, and he, that's something you, you got to remember. He's he's planning on doing, you know, U.S. indoors, in and world indoors as well. So if he's not going to make the team, he's got to think, all right, well, why not save myself for indoors? Why am I, you know, why am I going to run this lot ten k really hard, and you know, beat myself up? So I, you know, I think we got to look at that too afterwards. He, I think he's either going to run really well and make the team. And if he doesn't, he might, you know, he might jog it in. He might drop out, you know, to save himself uh, for that later on. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it's interesting that, you know, this, Galen's, you know, he's getting a lot of the, the conversation here and a lot of the discussion. Um, but something was pointed out to me today as well, and I don't think this has been really reported anywhere. But uh, Galen's, you know, on the U.S. team now for the World Half Marathon Championships. So that could be a backup plan instead of World Indoors. They're a week apart. Um, so maybe if, you know, he tried the trials, couldn't bounce back for a 3K, he could still try to do the World Half Marathon in England. Um, but I wasn't aware of it until today that he was entered in that. But I didn't realize they announced the, the U.S. team for that. I guess maybe he's on a tentative list or something, but I heard from someone who no, was mentioned it. Well, we all admit that the quadruple is impossible. The marathon trials, the U.S. trials in the 3,000, the world's in the 3,000, and then the half marathon the next week. That, if he pulls that off at a high degree of level of success, be so that would, phenomenal. We would have a new definition of what is RUP certified. That would be the most amazing uh, three weeks ever. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think we're going to see that happen. <laughs> If, if you're just joining us now, this is a special 
uh, Olympic Trials edition of Let's Run.com Track Talk, sponsored by Greatness. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, uh, this is Weldon Johnson, joined by Robert Johnson in L.A. and Jonathan Gold and uh, Steve Sopano. Uh, Robert, give them the uh, call-in number um, if anybody wants, wants to call in. Uh, it's 724-444-7444, and then you enter. And indeed, we actually have a caller in, and famous one at that, Sports Illustrated Zone, Chris Chavez. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Robert. I'm actually a little upset with you. I, I um, saw, again, I was doing a lot of catching up on the plane, reading other articles that I wasn't <laughs> writing myself, and um, I, you quoted Weldon Johnson as an expert. I'm a little upset that I was not quoted in your article. He but, reached out uh, to me first. He reached out to me first on that one. Yeah, you know, when you don't, when you're not, uh, you know, someone of my stature doesn't reach out to other media <laughs> expecting to come to me. So, um, Chris, you know, we we started up when we came onto the show. We said, you know, what was the big takeaway? What, you know, from uh, being in LA today, what's your biggest, strongest impression? Uh, I mean, Pasquetta sounds confident. That's uh, that's you know, always a good thing to have in your back pocket, um, you know, right before a big race like that. I mean, it did seem interesting. I mean, at, uh, when the floor kind of opened up to questions, I brought up Galen and then he mentioned, you know, Galen's someone you just don't bet against. So, you know, it was interesting that a victory on Saturday for anyone, really, it's not even just Pescadra, it's just to make the team. So, um, I think he, he feels that he can, and he's been doing a lot. Uh, you know, he was really specific into his uh, warm weather training, which is uh, pretty cool to see that this is it's, like, this isn't something that's come up in the last week or so. I mean, these, uh, these runners have obviously been paying attention to things and some people have been going out for three weeks to places like San Diego. He just, you know, just stayed in his place and rode a bike in like 80 degree temperatures sounds silly but you know hopefully it might work and you know i think it's this is definitely going to be a race best suited for those who can handle the heat the best and just listening to people talk today i'm very happy with my three uh my, my third person picks on both sides i have Quebec on the men's side and i've got Callum taylor on the, on the women's side just listening to them and hearing what they've had to say and kind of seeing where things are, I, you know, I, I, you know, I feel confident that they might be able to make a team. And, you know, those, those two definitely have some great storylines there. So Chris, um, Chris, one, one people people haven't read article, who, who were your top three picks? So for me on the men's, on the men's side, I locked in Meb, Galen and Kabat. And on the women's side, I have, Desi winning over Shalane and then Callan Taylor finishing third. Yeah, on the men's side, do you have a winner, Steve? I mean, did Chris, do you have a winner, or are you just saying those will be your top three? On the men's side? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, like, so unclear. Like, I don't know how Galen's going to be feeling at something like 30K. That's really when, I guess, your body starts to give out. So, you know, he could he could be up there winning, and or he could be feeling like crap at 30K and then just goes kaput from there. But, uh, you know, I've got to give it to a little bit of experience should pay off. And I think someone like Meb will make it so that it's not a sit-and-kick race, which I guess could exist in a marathon, but, and it comes down to the final 5K. So, um, I, you know, I, I'll just give it to Meb. Uh, just, you know, experience has got to come into play at some point. 
I mean, there's just so many factors in a marathon that, you know, as oh, you know, they're all three of them are going to be winners because you you make an Olympic team. So it really doesn't matter. The place doesn't matter. I guess prize money a little bit, but yeah, I'll go with. That. I mean, there's a certain amount of bragging rights and and glory that comes with winning the trials. I mean, it's definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Ruff was actually asked this in an interview after that 3K, and he, you know, was asked like, "Oh, do you just, you know, just you just want to qualify, or do you want to try to win?" He's like, "Well, you always run a race to win." So I, I think anyone who has a shot, you know, to be the Olympic trial champion, they'll they'll definitely take it. Yeah, and I mean, let's talk a little bit more about the women, guys. I think uh, we've been showing, you know, people talk about white privilege. I think we've been showing our male privilege by focusing on the men a little bit more than the women. Does anyone on this call not have Desi and showing both on the team? I'm assuming everybody does. So really the question is sort of that third spot. And, and, and you know, Chris, you picked Kellen, Kellen Taylor, um, you know, of the Hoka 1-1 Northern Arizona elite team. And, you know, the thing that struck me in talking to her today, and I've never spoken to her before, was just, I mean, she's really intense. I mean, she kind of reminds me of, you know, Desi is such a ferocious competitor. I mean, this, Cullen is a woman who who went to Wichita State, you know, ran 434 in the mile there, 1601. So actually, just like Desi, didn't break 16 in the 5K. But um, right after college, sort of, you know, had a child, and, and um, she sort of said that was a little bit of a surprise, and then got back into running. And, you know, she said she's shocked that she feels like, yes, she is a natural at the marathon, and she's, She's run 228 in her debut, and her coach, Ben Rosario, says she just takes to it. She's been training with a guy who just ran 225, a male who works her out. So, I mean, she is an interesting person, and, you know, her future career plans are to be a firefighter, Chris. I heard you talking about that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I guess if she likes fire, she shouldn't be, shouldn't be, the heat shouldn't worry her too much, right? Not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, she hasn't really started taking tests or anything like that for the whole fire thing, but yeah, if, you, if you're going to, be dealing with heat at some point this will be nothing a little bit i mean obviously though some visualization should come into play here you know you're gonna you could picture yourself uh going into a burning building to save you know a family why not you know just uh you know toughen it out for 26 miles you know two hours plus a little bit <laughs> yeah and she said all of her training's been geared towards you know running a 225 type effort and i don't think she'll run 225 in this heat so that's interesting and then you know, the, the the star woman at the press conference today was Desi Linden, you know, Boston Marathon runner-up. And when people asked about her fitness, um, she said that, you know, she thinks that she's in better shape than when she qualified. I and mean, I think her qualifying time was 223. But she said she doesn't think she's quite the same type of shape that she was in Boston last year, 2015, when I think she was, what, fourth place. She didn't run, The time wasn't all that fast, but she was fourth in Boston. And she said that was sort of by design. And you know, I, I guess some of the other people in the field maybe this is arrogant, but I view this as very prudent. You know, it's better at this point. I don't need to be a hundred percent. This isn't the Olympics. This isn't Boston. Right. I'm not, you know, it's not when you know we're winning is the one goal you want to do. The, the main goal here is to be top three. So she said, you know, it's better to be ninety-five percent and healthy than to risk going for a hundred and end up injured. Yeah, um, we've actually, her talent, uh, Robert, that's probably we've got that smart. audio. Let me uh, play that clip. From 2012 to now, um, I think I'm well ahead of my qualifier uh, three Boston. I guess that was 2014. Um, I don't think I'm quite as fit as I was in 2015 Boston, but I'm significantly closer to that. I think it was kind of a calculated risks preparation where you know I don't need to be 100% for this. Um, if it's going to cause me to get hurt. So 95, 
is good if I'm healthy and feeling fresh. So somewhere in that ballpark, I guess. So there it is. That's Desi Wendon in her own words. And Robert, you actually did a really good job of recounting them because you had no idea I had that clip ready to go. But uh, I think it's a, it shows a lot of wisdom and, and shows how she does have, you know, something a little cushion to work with. Because if you are a few minutes faster, it's smart. You know, if you go all out and get injured, you're not on the team. But if you hold back yeah. 95%, that keeps you healthy. You make the team and you can focus on, you know, doing well in Rio. And I think for her, that's, there's the unfinished business. She went to London in 2012. She was hurt beforehand. She gave it a go. She ran two miles and dropped out. And, you know, hearing her talk about the Olympics, she said she's almost kind of embarrassed to tell people she's an Olympian because she just ran those two miles in in London. And, um, Chris, did you talk to any other women today? Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, no, for the most part, I just wanted to kind of really lock it in with uh, and just have some confidence in uh, my pick with Ke- uh, with Kellen. Um, and then, I, yeah, I talked to Quebec for a bit, but no, that was that's kind of it. And then I just so, stuck around with Luke, yeah. So Chris hasn't been afraid to, to put his predictions out there. I have not made my predictions yet in the running warehouse. Let's run.com prediction content or the website. You could possibly win, I think, $200,000 if you had perfect ballot. But um, John, Weldon, and Steve, have you guys made your pitch yet? Be interesting. Also, I assume before the before the race, maybe Saturday morning, Weldon can put a compilation of the Let's Run audience. You know who people are picking. But um, John, you know, have you have you made have you narrowed down your top three picks? Uh, you know, I was thinking about this a lot on my run today. Uh, and it's you know, I haven't actually entered them into the the contest, but I have decided on top three men and women. And uh, do you want me to take? Do you want me to give both genders, or just go with one to start? Let's hear, let's hear them both. Okay. Well, in in the men's race, uh, I'm pretty. I'm just picking the favorites, really. I think, you know, a marathon. The, the chances are that the top three aren't all going to make the team, but I think they have the best chance of making the team than anyone. That's why they're the favorites. So that's why that's my logic behind it. But I'm going with Ritz for the win. I think just yeah. mentally, mentally, he's locked in. I think he's in a good place. He's fit. You guys run 207. That's the fastest PR in the field. So, you know, I'm picking him for the win. I'm picking Med for second. And I'm picking Rupp for third because I don't think Rupp's going to go out of his way to really crush it, especially if he's trying to come back for USA indoors in a month. So uh, that's my pick on the men's side. And on the women, uh, I'm going Desi for the win because, you know, basically all the reasons we just said, she's smart. Uh, she's, you know, she may not be 100% where she wants to be at the Olympics, but I still think that's going to be good enough to get the win here, especially because Flanagan had you know, a little setback early in her build-up and talking about running with Amy Craig. And then I feel I feel pretty good about – I mean, Flanagan, obviously, I'm going to pick up a second. And then really third, it's tough. I think Kellen Taylor is in very good shape, but I'm going to go with uh, Amy Craig because I, th- I think that training with Flanagan has been beneficial for her. I think if they, those two just stick together, uh, I know she didn't run well in Boston this year, but she ran pretty well in Chicago. She's, you know, the 20, she won the trials in 2012 in, uh, in a 10K and was fourth at the last trials in the marathon, the first woman out. So if you say Goucher is now 37 and maybe isn't quite what she was in 2012, then uh, bump up Amy Craig and that's your team. So th- those are my picks. Steve, you were jumping to get in there. 
Yeah, I was just agreeing with John about Ritz. Uh, you know, we, we wrote our, you know, let's run debate articles, uh, debating who we thought the favorites were. And, uh, I, mine are almost identical to John. Um, you know, we kind of agreed in that debate. I, uh, I think Ritz is going to win. Uh, basically the top three, they all have something that can go wrong. Uh, you know, Ritz, he has his cramping issues that he gets sometimes. Rupp, it's his debut, you know, med 41. So it's, they each have their thing, but I, I think, you know, it, they should, there's, you know, you can't bet on something going wrong. So I, uh, you know, I think the safe pick is to go with them for the top three. And, uh, I think I switched slightly from John. I would go rich for the win. I, I just think, you know, his last marathon was 7 Uh, he's talking very, very confidently. Uh, seems like he's been healthy and things are going great. So rich for the win. And I pick Rupp for second and Med for third. Um, Nothing really against Med for third. Just I, I, I just think if someone's gonna, you know, may fall off and maybe not get make the team, may get beat at the end there. I'm, I'm just gonna go with the 41 year old. Um, I, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I have a lot. Of, I, I think Ruff's gonna make the team. So it just, it, it's just again, I think they all have a good chance to make. They all should be on the team. If something's gonna go wrong, who's mm-hmm. most likely to go wrong? And then uh, with the women. Yeah, I'm the exact same as John as well. Uh, you know, Desi for the win. I, I think she wants it more than Shalane. Uh, I mean, Shalane lost fitness with the early, you know, early injury in her training. She got less of a buildup. And then, you know, she's talking about, in her interviews, about qualifying, not winning. And, you know, when she is talking like that, she's already kind of given herself an out a little bit. And, you know, I think, she, you know, she's a great competitor, and I'm sure she'll, you know, be out there giving it 100%. But, you know, I think in her mind right now, she knows maybe she's not 100% fit and, you know, she's okay to be top three. Um, I think Desi sounds like she wants a little bit more. So, and then as far as best of the rest, yeah, I think, you know, Amy Craig, 227 in her last marathon, tied her PR. Uh, you know, Dina Castor, someone I thought had a great shot after what she ran in Boston, or not Boston, not Chicago this year, but, you know, that was disappointing to see her pull out. And, uh, I, you know, I've always been a big fan of the Gouchers, uh, Kara and Adam. So, you know, I'll definitely be rooting for Kara to make it. But, you know, her last marathon, you know, was 2.37. She hasn't ran a good one since, like, 2013. And even then, it was a 2.28. Um, so, just, you know, a little bit behind where Craig is, I think. And I think uh, Amy's going to get but, kind of a big boost from training with Shalane. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I'm struck by is there's been no real love for Kara Goucher. And I, I think, in some ways, she reminds me of Ritz on, on the men's side in the sense of, yeah, I mean, her last marathon was only 228, and that was in 2013, but I think she was lacking in motivation. You know, I, I saw her in Boston when, uh, Boston, I don't know what year that was, 2013, 2014, and she was apologizing to Jerry Shoemaker. She's like, I promise you I'll be more motivated, more, more motivated. So, like, in January of that year, she wasn't really barely training. I think the move home has rejuvenated her. She's back with Wetmore. It's like, let's prove these people wrong. So I think she's a very dangerous person. To discount. I'm not ready to make my top three picks right now. Uh, I, th- I think probably Lyndon is, is, is a smart pick for the win. Um, but, you know, we're going to be wrapping up the Shears show pretty soon. But one thing I'll say that I think everyone, y'all, will definitely off on is Rupp on the men's side. I think Rupp either wins this race or he's not making top three. I don't see him sort of like, getting third now. He's either going to rock this thing or just decide he didn't want to do it. Um, so feast or famine for Galen Rupp. I hope and so. I, 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 I don't We have a guy, um, guest number 29. I'm going to try to unmute you. I'm not sure where you are, but can the caller speak? Who are your predictions? 
and maybe he's afraid to speak. Anyways, well then, um, oh, the feast or famine thing with Rupp, I thought was a interesting thing. And I'm going to reward everyone listening to this special edition, Olympic Marathon Trials edition of Let'sRun.com Track Talk, sponsored by Greatness, um, by revealing the top five from current top five from the Let'sRun.com Running Warehouse Prediction Contest. Uh, if you get a perfect ballot, you win $216,000. So I encourage you to go to Let'sRun.com, enter the contest, tell your friends. We're going to have it so you can play in a group versus friends. Um, but Prior to about 10 minutes ago, um, we had Dathan Ritzenheim was the overall favorite on the men's side, even though Galen Rupp had way more first-place votes. So essentially that meant a lot of people were picking Rupp to win, but then if they weren't picking him to win, they were picking him out of the top three, which is what Robert talked about. But Galen Rupp now officially is the favorite for the 2016 Olympic Marathon Trials. Galen Rupp in first he's got almost twice as many first-place votes as Dathan Ritzenhine, and then Meb's got about half of what Ritz has. So it's Rupp, Ritz, Meb, Luke Piscadra, a guy who has not even been mentioned, I don't think, on this show. Jared Ward did very well, won the U.S. Uh, championship in L.A. last year in the heat, and people, you know, it's a known fact that he runs well in the heat. And then Bobby Curtis, Diego Estrada at seven, McConnell Cabot at eight, Sam Twing at nine, and Nick Arcianega at ten. Um, then you got to go down there. There's there's a couple guys I heard who are out of the top 20 who were mentioned today at the press conference. Brett Gotcher by other runners and Scott Smith. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And sort of the Rupp, you know, what Rupp does, you know, it's on everyone's mind. Yesterday, we thanks to Generation UCAN, we spoke to Meb Kofleski. We were going to just post the 10 minutes with him on the show. We're not going to do that now, so we encourage you to go to Let's Run. The whole, whole audio is there. But when I asked him about Rupp, you know, at first, Meb almost sounded a little bit defensive. He said, you know, Galen Rupp will be an addition. He'll have to run 26.2 miles on that day. But, you know, then he essentially pointed out something that was pretty obvious and true. He's like, I'm fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. Everyone else is trying to do what I've done, you know, win Boston, win New York, and win an Olympic medal, although Rupp has a medal. Um, I have nothing to lose. Him being there is an interesting element. We know what kind of style he runs in Alberta and all that stuff. It is one less spot to compete for, probably. So essentially, he was, you know, kind of saying like Rupp's going to make the team, um, and that was very uh, reminiscent of what uh, Luke Pasquedra said. And Chris sort of alluded to this earlier. I'm going to play this audio. This is from this afternoon. The racer. I, I just I think I've never bet against Galen. You know, I think that. If you try, just going out of your way to try to beat, you know, it's with any person. If I try to beat Mev, if I try to beat Damon, there's always someone else, you know, and I think you can underestimate anybody in the field, but yeah, looking at Galen, he probably is the favorite based on 10K, 10K, what he's done in 5K, what he's ran in a while. And I guess the mystery is, is this going to convert? And I think everybody's So that was Luke, you know, saying never bet against Galen. Um, and it, it's hard to argue with it with, with that logic. He's sort of head, head and shoulders above everybody else on the track. But that's the beauty of the marathon. And, you know, that's why they run the race. So hopefully everyone will be watching it live on NBC 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Um, I think I'll skip out sort of giving, uh, you know, my predictions. I think I'm sort of in the Chris – uh, agreeing with Chris, I think Elkanah Quebec can make it. And I think 
Kellen Taylor can make it. Um, so, you know, I reserve the right till Saturday to, to make my official picks. But I don't know. Are there any more dark horses essentially on, on the women's side? Um, you know, Sarah Hall, we haven't mentioned some people picked her. Oh, actually, did I, not, I didn't reveal the top five on the women from the running warehouse no. prediction contest. We've got Desi Linden one, uh, Shailene Flanagan two, uh, and they have dominate the first place votes. Then Amy Craig third. Um, she's kind of comfortably ahead of Kara Goucher in fourth. Uh, Sarah Hall fifth. Kellen Taylor sixth. Selena Burla, who was here today. Um, Annie Bersigo, um, who I spoke to. She's coming off a knee injury. I saw her in, in Dallas in December, and she hadn't run more than a half marathon. That was the long, first time she ran a half marathon. She did the race there as part of the Road to Rio Relay. And since then, she's been in Colorado Springs, training at the training center. She's been training on treadmill to get used to the heat. She says she's run 35K, and she's, you know, the goal is to make the team. Uh, Janet Balcom is ninth, and the Ethiopian turned American, uh, Mr. Demise, Demise, is 10th. Um, so that's your top 10 on the women from the running warehouse, let's run.com prediction contest. We encourage you to uh, play and get your picks in there. Robert. Well, very good, Weldon. It's uh, 6 o'clock here on the West Coast, which means it's still 9 o'clock where I, I woke up this morning. I haven't eaten dinner, so we need to get out of here soon. Looks like Weldon has one last thing he wants to say. Um, yeah, let me stall here as I find this clip, but the, uh, you know, the, it's amazing to sort of, you know, I was asking some of the athletes, I was asking Annie Bursko that if she ever takes a step to sort of take a step back and just appreciate being in the Olympic marathon trials, where she, uh, you know, so focused on making the team that, you know, she can't appreciate it. And she was honest. She said, well, it's hard for me to appreciate it. You know, I want to make the team. Um, but there's collectively so much work put in and, you know, the clock doesn't lie. And we all run and sort of deal with the same things. And uh, I think maybe this is how we'll just wrap up the show. We can have this quote from uh, – this audio from uh, Desi Linden. Um, she was asked, she had said, I guess a couple months ago that she's about to embark on the unsexy part of marathon training. And, you know, she, she was asked today what exactly the unsexy part of marathon training is. And uh, here was her answer. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, that's just the grind. It's 125 mile weeks. It's, um, being ridiculously tired and wanting to fall asleep in your soup and, uh, you know, but getting the fuel in and going to bed at 9.30 and waking up at 6. And, you know, it's the process. It's um, it's not pretty. It doesn't, it doesn't sell well. No one really wants to see that because it's just um, – it's a it's an ugly life, I'd say. <laughs> but you you do it and you buy into it and you believe in it because you know that on race day, um, you've gone through the whole thing and you're prepared. And that's how you get ready for it, and then you can go out and show it off because I think the finishing product is pretty sexy. That's Desi Linden, and I think we all can relate to that. Uh, it's an ugly life, but you buy into it. Robert, take it away. Indeed, it's a grind, and we want to thank our journalists on on the call, Jonathan Galt, running away all the time. Uh, he's going to be working on Saturday and Sunday, folks. Don't forget the New Balance the Grand Prix, John. Have fun with that one. Um, and we really want to thank Steve Soprano and, of course, special guest Chris Chavez of Sports Illustrated for joining us. 
guys, don't work too hard. Um, <laughs> you know, I always think that a, a track meet is a hard thing for a journalist to do because it's like 30 sporting events at once. So, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to act like we have the toughest job in the world. It's pretty fun to get to come to events like this. So thanks a lot, guys, and uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, be sure to enter the contest, get your friends to, and uh, be sure to tune in and also chat live on the message board on Saturday as the race goes on. For Royals and Johnson, this is Robert Johnson signing off. Thank you so much. End it. So we're not live now? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.